Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to breakfast in the class. Class breakfast in the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Sami Sayed Lava Shalom. Lilui Nishmat Shalom Mirifkas, sponsored by his son Isaac Sayed. Breakfast in the class is also uh, dedicated uh, and sponsored by Rabbi Mordechai Bookbinder, dedicated in honor of the 50th birthday of his wife Erica. May he be zochet to spend another 120 years with her. 170, yani. Uh, fantastic years of marriage aside from look uh, we should uh, we should be zochet to have years of beracha as I always say you got to bless someone not just that they live till 120 but that during all those years the person is alive you know kicking enjoying that they uh, that the marriage that they have they shouldn't be married in name they should be married as a verb uh, breakfast in the class sponsored by Nathan Esbetesh dedicated in celebration of the birth of Elad Meir to Deborah Miriam and Yaron Dahan Mazatov Mabruk Breakfast in the class also dedicated loving memory, sponsored by the Hurizadeh family, and as well sponsored by Emmanuel Zara in honor of his beautiful cousins, Sheila Zara and John Neman. May Hashem continue to bless you and the entire family. And last but not least, yesterday, uh, the Breakfast in the class was dedicated and sponsored by the Rosh Chodesh King, Yaakov Shirazi, on the occasion of Rosh Chodesh Shabbat, for success in everything. Rabutai, we are privileged in the Torah reading of this week to first interact, to, or to interact with the first mitzvah from the Torah given to the Jewish people. We're already a book and a little bit in, but it's the first mitzvah that's given to the people, to the Jewish people. You have a mitzvah that's given in Sefer Bereshit, the first mitzvah that we are aware of, prove or vu, be fruitful and multiply. But that mitzvah, as an example, was given to Noah and any mitzvah that was given before Matan Torah needs to be reiterated in order to be part of the canon of, uh, of obligations, of mitzvot, that, uh, that bind the Jewish people to the process of Torah and mitzvot. So this is the first mitzvah in the Torah. And what is the first mitzvah? HaChodesh Hazeh Lachem, Rosh Chodashim. This month for you, Rosh Chodashim is the head of months. Now, it is only Judaism. That has like a machlok. What's the first? What's the beginning of the year? It's a machlok, <laughs> right? You have a beginning of the year uh, uh, for for the year and a beginning of the year for the months. Like, what does that even mean? But we all understand that Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the Jewish New Year, when is it celebrated? In the Hebrew month, it's the first day of the seventh month. Is Rosh Hashanah? So we have a beginning of the year, a new year in terms of the year, and there's a new year in terms. Of the month. Now that sounds like an odd mitzvah to begin with. Right? Doesn't it sound like an odd mitzvah? Guys, remember the calendar. Rosh Chodesh. Sanctify the new moon. How is it possible that that's the first mitzvah that the Jewish people are given? What would you imagine the first mitzvah should be? Hint, take a clue from the Aseret Debrot. I am Hashem, your God. Just for one second, think about that. How could you have a mandate of a mitzvah before you've even bought into the concept of God? Before you're commanded on some level to believe in Hashem and to practice His laws. So the idea of HaChodesh HaZelachem being something uh, that is the first mitzvah is a very challenging idea intellectually and logically. But I'd like to share uh, another example of this concept. And I think that this really is 
at the crux, at the heart of this concept of Rosh Chodesh. The rabbis tell us that Rosh Chodesh is celebrated. We understand it represents the fact that number one, that there has been a new month. But really, it's much more than that. It's HaChodesh Hazeh Lachem. This month, the fact that we dictate the months based on the lunar calendar, HaChodesh Hazeh Lachem, literally means, this is for you. But there's perhaps a deeper understanding here for the taking, where the new month and the fact that our lunar, our calendar is based on the, on the moon, that is Lachem. It is for you. And let me explain what that means. The solar calendar is not based on the fact that there is less or more of the sun, per se. Right? It's based on the fact that there, are, there is a cycle that the earth revolves around the sun. The sun in the, lunar, in the solar calendar is unchanging. It is we who change vis-a-vis the sun. Correct? It's as we move around the sun, that creates the solar season, the distance from the sun, etc., etc., with regards to the, the heat, with regards to the, uh, to, the, uh, um, to, the, to the winter, with regards... So we have the different seasons based on our proximity to the sun. But the sun is unchanging. HaChodesh Hazeh, God says, Lachem, this is for you. Human beings are about to embark on what is, in some ways, the greatest legacy, the destiny of humankind. I always say this, you know, when, uh, when the first astronaut stepped out onto the moon and famously he re- replies, I mean, I don't know, you know, so I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like, you know, I, I'm, not, I just, I'm not one of those guys. And anyway, but I'm just imagining like, come on, the guy steps on the moon and is like, one step for man, one giant, one tiny step for man, one giant leap for man. I'm like, that did not happen. You know why? For sure the first thing is like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> Can you hear me? We can't get cellular service down the block. And in the 60s, the guy made a perfect call from the moon first try. Get him back in the thing. They didn't hear him. Do it again. Do it again. Right? Come on. How did that happen? All right? But we look at this and you think about the fact that human beings traveled and walked on another planet. Unbelievable. I think a greater miracle, something more impressive that we managed to go to the moon, right, is, is the idea that a human being, that a human being could be governed by the moon. Let me explain. More than going to the moon is understanding that you are governed by the moon. Now, humanity embarked on a mission. And that mission, as I said, was not about going there. But it was rather about a human being not going to a heavenly place, but a human being bringing a heavenly place down here to earth. That is a far greater accomplishment. The journey of the Jewish people would be to take a piece of heaven and plant it amongst the earth and to see what would grow. It's almost like God's big experiment. Will humanity be able to grow heavenly fruit and vegetables in the climate of this planet? And understanding that human beings are wired We're created like every other creation on earth. We're created to be like animals, like birds, like insects, where everything that we do is governed by self-preservation. And God said, could the human being rise above this position, this creation? Could they be unlike everything on earth? And I think to myself all the time, we think and we're obsessed with thinking about, is there alien life on another planet? We are alien life 
on this planet. Human beings are the only thing on this planet that is different to everything else on the planet. That's how you would identify something which is alien. We are alien technology. So the Jewish people were about to embark on this effort. Could you be more than just an animal? Could you exist for holiness? Could you not work on Shabbat, even though more work is more money, which is more stuff, which is more comfort, which is more desire, right? Could you do that? Could you decide for yourself that you can't be with any woman? It has to be done in the confines of marriage. You can't just take someone else's wife. Could a human being live like that? In the animal kingdom, the strongest male kills the other male, takes his wife. Right? Or makes him run away. Could we live a higher existence than that? So when humanity set out to do this incredibly difficult job, HaKadosh Baruch Hu started with the very first mitzvah, a mitzvah that said to human beings effectively, before we started, don't give up. That's the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. There'll be times when the moon will be full. There'll be times when the light of the moon, you could actually, if you've ever been outside, when the moon is full, you could actually see at night with no light. You can see by the refraction of the light of the sun on the moon or our planet. Think on that for a second. The sun is shining wherever it's shining. We're blocked from the sun. The moon is effectively a mirror shining that light back on us. I think the message, my friends, is that there are times in your life, Borei Olam said to a broken people that he was about to make literally unrealistic demands of them. He was about to ask them to do something that had never been done. Hashem says, I, look, don't be afraid if you fall. Don't be afraid if some days there's more light than others. You are not the solar system which is unchanging, dictated by your proximity, your closeness or your distance to it. You are a fickle creature. That's what you are. You're a being that some days it will be easy to go to shul and some days it will be difficult to go to shul. You're a person that some days will feel like learning Torah and some days will feel like I can't be bothered. Some days you'll feel like staying till the end and doing even the tefillah after Aleinu, which we forgot this morning. And some days you feel like, Hajj, I've been in the shul already for 50 minutes. Khalas, I need to be out. There's good days and there's bad days. This is so important, my friends, that the Gemara says, so important that the Gemara says that there are many things that were created before Hashem created the world. Did you know that? Things that were created before God created the world. Now, obviously, some of them, we understand, they need to be created before the world. So I'll give you an example. We know that God created the world. Again, what this means beyond the scope of this class. God looked at the Torah and He created the world. So what would He need to create before He created the world? The Torah. Obvious. But there's something interesting that God created before He created the world. The Gemara says He created Teshuvah before he created the world. And that's remarkable. Because there isn't anyone. There's no need for Teshuvah to preface the creation of the world. When does God need to make Teshuvah? It's like, it's like asking, you know, it's like making toilet paper before there's humans. There's no one to make a mess. 
There's no one that needs to be cleaned. When do you invent toilet paper if you're gone? The guy goes to the bathroom, he's like, oh gosh, what do I wipe with? Poof, toilet paper. The lesson is that Borei Olam, he could have created Teshuvah after the sin. But then the person would have done the sin thinking that he had no rectification. Then the person would have perhaps had a moment of hopelessness that he could never be fixed. Perhaps even, my friends, the very fact that there was no teshuva would have caused the sin. Because Adam should have looked at himself and said, this is impossible. I could never be perfect. So what does God do before he asks us to be like Malachim, before he asks us to strive for perfection, is he says, I strive for perfection, but don't expect it. I ask you to do your best, but I don't demand the best all the time. I know that there will be times that you'll fall. The very knowledge that Borei Olam knows that about us is building it in, and not only as a side mitzvah, but in a certain sense, it comes even before the Yaseret HaDibrot. So my friends, I want you to apply these ideas. Can we just apply these ideas for a second? Rosh Chodesh means you wax and you wane. Rosh Chodesh means, and that's what God means when He says, HaChodesh Hazeh, this month, I gave it to you. Lachem, for you. I did this for you, for our relationship. I gave this to you so that you'd have a little bit of air in your lungs. When you made a mistake, you wouldn't think you were the worst thing in the world. You'd come back. Because when you demand perfection from someone, it only chases them away. Parents take note. Spouses take note. Bosses take note. You demand perfection from someone, it only drives them away. Because they think it's impossible. How could I possibly do that? Sometimes you even have kids who will make a mistake, do something wrong on purpose, just to illustrate to you that what you're asking of me is impossible. So my friends, I want to adapt this lesson and I want to show how it works with the Aseret HaDibrot. Because it's one thing if you tell me that I understand that you're not going to be perfect with Shabbat. I understand you're not going to be perfect with Tefillin. I understand you're not going to be perfect with praying. But God even says something a little bit more. God says, I understand you're not going to be perfect before He even tells us to believe in Him. I find that a fascinating idea. That means that a half-baked emunah is also something. And there are times when a person quits because they have a question. And that question alone is enough to derail them for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year. They feel off track. They feel not disconnected from God. They feel like the emunah is not 100%. Relax. There's always a way back. You can have good days. You can have bad days. Gabby, what did you say before? Yom asl, yom basal. For those of us listening who don't understand Arabic, that means one day onions, one day honey. So my friends, um, I, uh, I, I think that this actually becomes a tremendous lesson in, uh, in raising people. 
And this idea that even if, and I know it's frustrating. You know, one of the things that people say the most when someone is, let, it, let them down, as you tell them, you know, give it another chance. And what do they say? I already gave it another chance. Go out with her one more time. Try again. Go out with him one more time. You know, try and make peace with your parents. You know, bring up the subject again with you. I brought it up already, Rabbi. It didn't work. The lesson of Achodesh Hazel Achem is that it, it waxes and wanes every month. And it always comes back. I imagine if someone was taking a bet on the Jewish people, they would have thought a million times that we were done. But how many times have we bounced back? The Pasuk introduces us to the one condition that a person needs if they want to be able to refresh themselves, to get a new start. How does a person live by the lunar calendar where they're literally resilient to the point of always being able to bounce back? Literally, it means a new month. But Rosh Chodashim means a head filled with new things. A new head. I love, I am obsessed with this idea. You talk about people who live in one script, who see things one way, they will only ever live that way. If they can manage to have a Rosh Chadash, to think that this is going to work, then ironically, more often than not, what happens? It works. I, I, want, I, want, to, uh, I want to give this an example of this. You know, have you ever been with someone who's never built anything before in their life? I'm talking about nothing. Not an Ikea shelf. Right? Not a, sorry? <laughs> okay? Right? You, you ever been with someone? This, they open up the box, they put all the parts on the floor, and then they just look at it. Where does it go? I'm not sure. How does it, you know? You know, Abba, <laughs> Dad, you know, come. They ask you to come build it. Why? They're looking at it. They can't figure it. By the way, you need so few brain cells to put together something from Ikea. So few. They don't even make you read. They have an illustration of a guy. And the guy also, he looks very non-threatening. Like if the guy was a chiseled guy, wearing, I don't know, lumberjack, you know, clothing, I'd be like, I can't do that. This guy's a trained professional. <laughs> they have a guy, he's got his tummy, you know, his, he don't even have a, I don't even think he has a chin, okay? If this guy could do it, I could do it. But you see someone who doesn't, who thinks that they can't do it, the very thought that they can't do it is a death sentence. How many children grow up in the business of their fathers? And they are locked into the fact that their father runs a company and they're the person that's in some ways a glorified intern running and getting coffee. Does it matter if you run and you get your father coffee because he told you to? Or if you run those papers and sign it because you have power of attorney? You're still, in Yiddish they would call you 
a shik yingle. You know what that means? The kid that you send on... An errand boy. You're still the errand boy. The kid actually might be better in business than his father. But oftentimes, the best career move a child can make is to move out of that family business where he did not inherit it, where nothing was handed him on a silver platter, where there are no expectations, where he can recreate himself in his own image. But that requires Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chadash. And sometimes the impediment to a new head is not coming from you. It's coming from a reinforced position that the people around you keep sending you away, even if they never said a word. If every time he asks the other person to be in the meeting and not you, and you're only the guy that does the, you know, the work where you can't do any damage, would you tell your kid, broadcast very loud for everyone in the company to see? This guy can't do anything. He's only here because his last name is Fari. Do you understand? Rosh Chodesh. Helping people create a new head. I remember reading a very beautiful story. There was a man who had a very large family whose wife passed away. The man's devastated. Not only is he dealing now with the loss of his wife, but she was young. They had little kids in the house. You know, he's got a large family that needs to work. Now, not only does he need to work, but he also needs to take care of them. Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to step in? He doesn't know how to make it. The guy don't know how to make lunch and dinner. He never packed the thing. You know, he worked very hard for his family, but he never did this stuff. He doesn't know how to wash the kids' clothing without making it turn blue. So he's overwhelmed. He's doing his very best. The guy is, but he's like up to here. And slowly but surely, this father, although he was operating, working himself ragged to bring in some money to take care of the family, but the guy, the light went out in his eyes. One day, into his minyan at Shachari comes a big Rosh Yeshiva. A rabbi who's running a massive yeshiva. Doesn't usually pray there. The end of the tefillah, Hadda's walking out. The rabbi says, um, please, he says, I want to ask you a favor. He says, sure. He says, could you give me a lift? I have my yeshivats on the other side of town. I have all the boys there. I have, you know, 500 boys. Is there any way you could take me to the yeshiva? Sure, such a big rabbi, never here. Of course, of course I'll take you. Puts him in the car, drives to the other side of town. Gets to the yeshiva, the rabbi says to him, he says, please, he goes, if you don't mind, would you mind coming in with me just for one minute? The guy's like, oh, okay. All right, rabbi, what's, what's going on over here? The rabbi says, no, really, it will only take five minutes. Five minutes max, I promise. He says, okay, he comes inside. The rabbi starts showing him, this is the Bet Midrash. 500 students. He goes, this over here is uh, this other program that we're running. You see all the people from the community 
people that work, where they come and they study, before they go to work, I set them up with people from the yeshiva. Look over here in this other room, we have all these kids from the local school, the local public school. They don't get any Jewish education. They come here every morning, I have them set up with other kids. Look over here, look over here, look over here. We have this chesed project that we run with the community. We do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. The guy, he says, listen, Rabbi, he goes, look, I need to get home. It's a little bit late. He goes, I see, it's amazing. He goes, you know, times are tough. You know, he goes, maybe I could give you $180, you know, but... The rabbi says, no, 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 please, he goes, just let me finish. And he's showing him everything that they do, and he's this and that, and whack and forth. He goes, Rabbi, I said I'd give you $180. And he goes, please, he goes, I told you five minutes, I have one minute left. He's back and forth, it's very impressive. Finally, he finishes, five minutes. He says, I told you five minutes, it's five minutes. He says, Rabbi, okay, I want to give you $180. He says, I don't want your money. Save your money, he says. I don't need your money. Your family needs your money. He says, I brought you here to tell you that I also was around your age when my wife passed away and I had a large family. And I did not think that I would be able to continue doing the work that I was doing back then. And I did not think I'd be able to, to provide for them. And I did not think I'd be able to give them the attention they deserved. And I brought you here to show you that not only have I married off my children, all of them, but this is what I managed to do at the same time. I managed to rebuild. You will also manage to rebuild. That's why I asked you to take me here. Go take care of your children. Everything's gonna be okay. I read this story, I was blown away. Sometimes the greatest thing, the greatest gift in the world that we could give someone is Rosh Chadash, is a new head, a way to be able to bounce back from where they are. A person thinks that their situation is the worst and you, you spin it for them. You give them another idea. You talk to them maybe about how grateful, how lucky they are in some other area. You turn the lights back on. Hashem should bless us always to be that person for people that are struggling. And Hashem should bless us, Be'ezrat Hashem, to recognize that there's always another day, there's always another month. Hachodesh Hazel Lachem.